Today's scripture comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verses 15 through 25. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for that man, for it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is the word of the Lord. This is a part 14 of creation. And um, I wish we had like at least three more, but just for the sake of, we have other things that we have to learn. And um, so we're going to wrap it up today on creation with a, with a message on this very tremendously important passage. Genesis chapter 2, the latter portions of Genesis 2. And the wisdom of this passage is utterly lost in our culture. Um, it's just, it's practically just gone. <laughs> and, and, and as much as I can in this one message, uh, you know, and we have an important congregational meeting today, so I can't go on too long. Um, let's, let's, talk, uh, let's tackle how marriage and sex from God it's actually more than really about marriage and sex. It has a lot to do with man and woman, okay? And his wisdom and his goodness for what it means to be male and female. So let's get into it. Part one, loneliness and needing the opposite sex. Loneliness and needing the opposite sex. Part two, sexed insecurity, fear and shame, yearning for the glory of God. Not just any kind of insecurity. Specifically, the insecurity that you have as a man. The insecurity that you have as a woman. And all the fear and then shame. That's life. <laughs> and in the midst of all this normal terribleness of life, actually you don't know it, but you're yearning for the glory of God. Okay? And part three. Christ, the image of God, making us unashamed. <laughs> unashamed forever. Okay? That's the way I want to get to the gospel today. So let's go with part one. There, you know, I said this last week, and I want to just say a little something about how our culture thinks, which is utterly backwards to the way Genesis chapter 2 lays out how the world would become beautiful. 
how the world would be made whole and filled with goodness. And if you look at Genesis chapter 2, what you have is God says this rather astonishing thing in verse 18. It is not good that the man should be alone. It is not good. Now, just, just, just before I, I make commentary about our culture, um, you should understand how extraordinary that is. You go all the way through chapter 1, and we spent a lot of time in chapter 1. God does this, it's good. God does this, it's good. Good, 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 good. Whenever God, he makes something, and he declares it good. At the end of chapter 1, after he's made human beings, he made the male and female, he gives us dominion, he says, be fruitful and multiply. I mean, he gives all these things, cultural mandate, as I talked about. He says it's very good. But then you go to chapter 2, and then there's this focus, and... At this point, it's kind of like, it's like there's, it's, it, the, the camera comes in, it's, and it's at this one particular por portion, and the woman has not been created yet. And God says something here in chapter 2, which is, it's not good. <laughs> it is not good that the man is alone. Now, let's just stop here, and I want to make this comment about our culture. Do you know that in our culture, we completely disagree with that? In our culture, we celebrate that you, as an individual person, that you should be able to run your whole life alone. <laughs> you know that? You should be able to decide who you are. You should be able to decide what's good. You should be able to be lord of your life. I, the way That's the language I played last week. You should be lord of your life. You should be even creator of your life. Um, and what do you... And you should, and if you need somebody else, if you're needy, we even have a, a word for it, which is considered a bad thing. If you're needy, if you're needy of somebody else, there's something wrong with you. You're weak. If, if um, you can't figure all this stuff out in yourself and complete and fulfill your own self, then, then somehow you're, you're just not good enough. It's completely different than the way the Bible puts it. God goes, wait a second, that's not good. I made everything good. It's not good that the man, Adam, Adam means the man, it's his name, but it also means the man. The man is alone. And when you believe in this thing that you yourself are supposed to be autonomous, self-sufficient, that's another word that we like, self-sufficient. Sufficient from me. Self is sufficient. If that's the case, do you know there's a real cost? The cost is loneliness. There's a difference between being alone and being lonely. But they really actually totally go together. You know, you can be married, and if your husband or wife deeply doesn't understand you or rejects you, you could be tremendously lonely. You're not alone. <laughs> but you are lonely. Have you ever gone to parties? There's a lot of people at the party, but in the middle of a lot of people, you are lonely. But what if the very vision of the way you look about life is that it's on you to make your life good? That's the 21st century American religious ideology. It's so powerful that even now, if somebody says, you know, they're born female, but they now want to become a guy. 
that we all have to say, well, you're such a self-sufficient person that it's bad to say, we think that's mistaken. That's not a good way to go. <laughs> but God puts it right here in Genesis chapter 2 that you're, you, if it's going to be good in your life, it shouldn't, you should not be alone. <laughs> now let me add something else. And this is, then you go into the strange portion in the, in, in the passage. Um, I'll make her a helper fit for him. And then it says, out of the ground, Lord formed all these things. Let's get to uh, verse, go to the next slide, verse 20. You know, the man sees, you know, all these, all the different creatures are brought to, to him. He names them. He's like, okay, what are you, I'll name you this, this, and that. And you get to verse 20. The man gave names to all livestock, to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, remember, I told you that's his name, but also means the man. But for the man, there was not found a helper fit for him. So I want to say a little something about this. Do you feel that in your life you need someone else? Or you need something else? And I'm, and, and I'm in no way trying to make fun of this, so please don't hear me this way. There are a lot of lonely people today, and um, somewhere along the line they didn't get married. Or maybe they got divorced. And then, you know what their answer is? Their answer is to get a dog or a cat. <laughs> Now, I'm not against that, because if you love your dog or if you love your cat, it's better than not loving another creature. But I'm just going to point out, the Bible says that Adam got to look at the dog, and he got to look at the cat. And you know what God said? He's still alone. God said, there has to be someone there for him, and there's that special word in the Hebrew, fit for him. Is fit for him. And this is completely just like lost and blind and missing inside of our culture is that your aloneness, which leads to the pain, and it is pain. I want to say this. If you feel miserable because you're lonely, don't feel like, okay, okay that must mean I'm weak. <laughs> and I'm embarrassed to let people know I'm lonely. You're, there's nothing weak about you. You're fine. But, yes, you have a need. And it's not a bad need. Here's another thing that's going on here. Adam hasn't sinned. <laughs> Eve hasn't sinned. So Adam has not sinned. There is no sin in the world. And God, even though everything is good, there is something that he says that's not good. And you know how God decides to solve the issue of this thing in the world that he has he made the world, but now there's this tremendous hole that he says is not good. The way he makes for the man, Adam, who is not good, he has to find someone who can meet that aloneness, who is fit for him. And that word is really important because it's a strange word. It means, it means the opposite of him, but the same as him. I don't know if they're the only things like, you know, you have this hand, we call it the right hand, and then we have this left hand. It's the same as this, but it's not. You hearing what I'm saying? It's the same, but it's not. It's the opposite. And only when you pull them together, now this hand is not alone. 
Now, I know it's, it's a bit of a weak illustration. And so then the Bible goes out of his way to say that God didn't just go, boom, male, female. Actually, it goes out of the way to say that the woman is of the same stuff as the man. <laughs> the woman is equally human as the man, and yet mysteriously different. And here's the thing I want to say about aloneness, and I see this in our culture all the time. People don't think that if you're feeling alone, that has something to do with the opposite sex. It has a lot to do with the opposite sex. <laughs> you know what God, how God wants to reach you in your aloneness? It's with the opposite sex. With someone mysteriously like you, <laughs> but quite also mysteriously kind of the opposite as you. That's what that word fit means. And here's another thing I want, I want to point out. We already read in Genesis chapter 1 that male and female, he created them. In the image of God, he created them, right? Genesis 1.27. You know what you're looking for? You're looking for someone who is glorious in the image of God. But in the image of God that you lack. Hmm. The image of God, you're hungry for the image of God. There's something glorious that you're hungering for, but you don't quite understand it. And so this is why, kids, um, when you hit a certain age, maybe when you were younger, the girls were gross or the boys were just dirty. <laughs> and then suddenly, you can't stop thinking about girls. <laughs> it's like, why, why is that? And we think this is just nature. And actually, let me ask you for this. It's, it must be just reproduction, right? Actually, there's something really blind in our culture. That there is a, you require a spiritual, a theological explanation for this desire in you. You're not just looking for sex. You're actually looking for someone to know you, to meet you, who is like you but opposite of you, to see you, and the way they would see you and know you and be with you would answer your aloneness. You're looking for someone who's actually like God, whose likeness of God will meet the way your likeness of God lacks. That's what God looked, God, the way put it. So let me just say this, I'm going to get to part two. Um, the paradigm for life in this is marriage. Marriage is not just about having babies. And marriage is not just because, you know, I just need somebody else to go through life with. There's something deeply, profoundly missing in your soul. Your soul is longing for a likeness of God, a glory and a beauty of God that you can't get in you. That if you're a guy and you have really close guy friends, they can't give this glory of God in you. <laughs> and if you're a woman and you have really great close girlfriends, you cannot get this glory of God from another woman. And this is also another reason why it is not just bad or hateful or bigoted that Christians say we believe in the Bible and we think that homosexuality is sin. We don't think, when we say that it's sin, we're not just trying to say you're bad for thinking that way. You know what we're saying? We have compassion on you. 
Because God wants to give you something good that's tremendously missing in your life that you actually long for, but then when you think you're only going to get it from someone of the same sex, you're, you don't understand you'll never get it that way. There's something of God you're looking for, a beauty and a glory of God you're looking for that mysteriously can only come from the other who is mysteriously different. Okay? Let's go to part two. Sex, insecurity, fear, and shame. Let's go to um, the end of the chapter. has this verse. So right here, God brings Eve to Adam, and he has this reaction, has this unbelievable reaction. He gets super excited. This at last. You know what at last means? I finally, like he has this hole and this desire, and he's now seen every creature, and none of those creatures can meet his aloneness. And finally, God brings him this gloriously beautiful person. And he said, at last. She's like me, but she's not me. She's actually quite beautifully different. And now I want to take you to verse, just let's just jump for verse 20. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You know what that is? That is the biblical definition of marriage itself. And can get into the whole de- um, meaning of this. And marriage then is not simply just one man finding one woman, and then, you know, hopefully they'll stay together for the rest of their life and they'll have kids. That's the way we empirically experience it all the time. But actually, it's the very definition of how male will meet female. And there'll be wholeness and beauty of God being revealed and his glory starting to cover the face of the earth as they become one flesh. One flesh means the two becomes one, and they're no longer alone. Do you see it? But I want to focus on this verse, 25. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And that is a, this is an important commentary on life today. And I want to ask you this question. Um, so... I presume you cover yourself up, right? You don't just walk out of the shower and just walk out <laughs> to the street, right? You don't just walk out of the shower and walk into your living room, right? You, when you're naked, um, you've got to cover up. And let me ask you this question. What parts do you cover up? I mean, this part's not covered up. I mean, like, I'm not naked up here, right? And this is not covered up. This is not covered up. You'd be like, okay, you, should, you know, my wife actually doesn't like my haircut. She'd probably prefer if some of that's covered up. But there's no shame. At least I, I'm not ashamed. Maybe this haircut needs to be better, but okay. But you know that this is, I want to point out to you a phenomenon that everybody knows. Do you know that men and women cover up different parts of their body? <laughs> it's in every culture. Some cultures have slightly differences. <laughs> Slight differences. I don't know, in some cultures, the women don't cover their tops so much. In our culture, definitely, most cultures actually. But almost everybody covers up this part. And um, in some cultures that are more, more modest, but do you notice 
that men and women, they actually have different parts. Or if you were naked, you'd be ashamed with different parts. So the man is actually ashamed. He's got to cover up some part of his maleness. And the woman has to cover up a different part of her femaleness. And that's what's going on in the body. But you know, this, this verse is not just a commentary on physical nakedness. It is a commentary on maleness and femaleness itself. It's a commentary on soul nakedness. So it's this extraordinary verse. There's a man and there's a woman, and they were naked all the way, right down to their very deepest self, and they were not ashamed. Isn't that incredible? It is actually a, a, a description of something, it's paradise itself, a beautiful. Wouldn't that be incredible? It is the goal of marriage itself that you'll be utterly naked before your spouse and you'll have a great freedom and not be ashamed. But here's what it's actually like. Um, when I was uh, 10 years old, I got a giant zit right here. Like it started off and then it, it just got bigger and just got bigger and it got white. It was like gross, it was really gross, okay? And um, when I was 10 years old, I never cared if my hair was combed. I didn't care about what I wore. And you know, if there was a smudge on my face, I never cared. But suddenly there was a giant zit on my chin and I cared. I cared. It was, it was horrifying. <laughs> it was absolutely horrifying. And you know what it was? It's just the beginning. And if, if you could go back, and I can't explain it. I just know that I had this feeling, and it, just, it was absolutely terrible before I went to school. And if you ask me, hey, Susan, 10-year-old Susan, what is it that you're worried about? Are you worried that the boys would see that big, ugly thing and make fun of you? I would have said, the boys that I'm worried about? And I would have said, no. There's this girl in class. And if she sees this horrible, ugly thing, <laughs> that I, I, would, I would wish to just disappear and die. <laughs> because for the first time, I stood before the glory of the other way of the image of God, and I cared. I wanted her to see me. And now here I was naked on my chin. And if she saw it and rejected me and thought it was ugly, then you know what, what would happen? My masculinity would be rejected. <laughs> it would become nothing. In other words, I'd be shamed. That's 10 years old. <laughs> and now let me ask you this question. Can you relate to me? Have you guys gotten over this? I'm sure you're all just deeply secure people. And now, when you wake up, you don't feel this at all, do you? <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> One of the things I want to point out to you is that passage, when it's talking about shame, is not merely just talking about, I have sins inside of me and I hope nobody sees them. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about that the glory of your maleness is somehow, when you are looked at in front of us, you're afraid that they're going to say, it's not good enough. And then you'll have shame. 
And so we walk through life, the guys, you wear certain clothes and you lift, lift, and <laughs> why? Because you want to walk in, and you, you, you know why, ladies, why, why, why the men got to make money? Oh, it's because so they can drive a fancy car? Oh, it's because, no, you know what it's about? It's a lot about manhood. Hmm. It's about manhood. If there isn't a certain number in the bank account, on this thing called net worth, now you are naked <laughs> and you're ashamed. And of course, there's all these feminine versions of it. If your hair is terrible, if you walk into the room, there's another woman who has the same exact dress as you. <laughs> You walk into the room, and somebody says, oh, that's so, you know, you, you're wearing a dress, and it's a style that everybody else thinks is no good anymore. I mean, it's crazy. And then there's shame. And you know what you're looking for? What we're all looking for is we are deeply insecure about the manhood or womanhood and your life can't get to a healing until someone who is beautifully the other will see you. You could be holy yourself. And they'll say, I see you. And you're not be ashamed. I love you and accept you. That's the meaning of marriage. And one of the things I just want to say this to young people before I go to part three, because I have an extensive part three I want to get to today. Um, marriage is not just, she's pretty, and I hope I get her. <laughs> and it's not even primarily about sex, like sex is pleasure. Do you know that the drama of sex is that you will strip down naked? That's why you can't just have sex with someone apart from your marriage. Someone has to commit themselves to you and say, I see you, and now I will not shame you. Mm. Only when the person has made a covenant of health, I will be united to you for the rest of your life, and now for the rest of your life, I will not shame you. I will see that fatness I will see your baldness. I will see that flabbiness. Or how about worse things? I will see your insecurity. I will see your lusts. I will see your greeds. I will see your hatreds. I will see your wounds. I will see the ways that you wound. And I will not shame you. That's the drama of sex. Did you know that's what, that's what sex is about? Just a little, little, bit, little piece of uh, marital advice. If you want a good sex life, you need to have a good spiritual life. Because if you shame your spouse, you're bad in this way. <clears throat> and then you think you're going to have a good night in bed, that's not how it works. This verse needs to be real. And then, body, soul, there's no shaming and there's beauty.
Um, so young people, I want to say to you is, wow, you know, you're going to go into, the, into your school in front of everybody, and today, you know what it's all about? It's all about shaming. <laughs> today, everybody gets dressed, you, you comb your hair, you, you take a shower, you, you, you groom yourself. Why? Because we're looking for something glorious of God so that we can now give good masculinity to other people. You can give good masculinity or good femininity to other people. No, actually, it's because we're just afraid. The whole culture is running on fear of shame. And boy, it works. Boy, it works. But what I want to say to you young people today is, if you will wrap yourself and allow Jesus to be the one to see you first. And then go to godly. If you're a man, then go be with the godly men. <laughs> and then if you're a woman, go be with the godly women who's wrapped themselves in the deep acceptance of Jesus. Then you can go into the world not armed with just, oh, fear. Okay, if I, have, if, I have, if I get myself the right way, then nobody will mock me and shame me. Instead, you will be made strong in the deep, profound acceptance of Christ. And then you can start to grow in a better kind of manhood and a better kind of womanhood. And then it's not even just whether you get married or not, because that's not actually the, the, the key goal. It's now, as a man, will you allow the drama of the men will bless the women and the women will bless the men and neither will be alone and the glory of God will cover the earth as the seas. <laughs> the world as the waters covers the seas. That's the drama Genesis 2 is talking about. Okay? Now let's get to part three. Like, wow, pastor. <laughs> Like, how are we going to do that? You know what Romans chapter 1 says? The gospel is the power of God for salvation. You know what our masculinity needs? It needs saving. You know what our femininity needs? It needs saving. You need our, our terrible culture because the men and women are at odds with each other. We don't even know how to be men and women. The, 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 the men want to be girls. Uh, the, the women want to be guys. Our whole understanding of it is just crazy, and there's tremendous hatred across the sexes. So how are we going to get to that? And it's a strange thing that what we believe is there's a news called the gospel. What Christ did for us, which we could not do for ourselves. And today, I want to ask you to behold that news. Hear that news and behold Christ, who is the true image of God the fullness of the image of God. And so the way I want to close is, is this. Go to Isaiah chapter 54. Here we go. This is a little drama of the Bible. There's a, something that's promised here, and then we know it's all messed up, and then somewhere else in the Bible, it goes to Christ. And Christ redeems that which is utterly broken. And this is a prophecy from Isaiah about what will be done in the future through the Messiah and what it will be like when the Messiah has come. And here's the verse. Fear not, 
for you will not be ashamed. You will no longer have shame. And shame will be gone. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth. 12-year-olds, I hope you're listening. You're sitting there going, wow, I can't believe what the stuff the pastor's talking about is super relevant to junior high. (laughs) You will forget the shame that you're, maybe you just went through yesterday at school. Adults, you will forget the shame of your youth. And the reproach of your widowhood, you will remember no more. Hmm, That's interesting. Let me get to that. Verse 5. For your maker is your husband. (laughs) The Lord, that's Yahweh, the Lord of us, Yahweh of the one who is of all the hosts, is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The Redeemer has come. His name is Jesus. The God of the whole earth he is called, the whole earth he is called. Verse 6. For Yahweh has called you. Yahweh who has come into the flesh to be the true image of God, to be fully human, which we fail. His name is Jesus. For Jesus has called you. And this is so extraordinary. This is how the Bible talks. Like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit. Like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. So let me say the gospel in two ways to close out today's message. This is the Bible's kind of vision that in a strange way, marriage is not really just about you as an individual woman meeting your man. When you go to a marriage, the drama is not just, you know, you know Joe found Susie. Isn't that great? And now let's party. It's actually... Adam found Eve. The man found who was given. Male and females come together. That's the drama. And all throughout the world,